That is a really terrible marriage advice. I <laughs> recommend you not do any of those things. But I, you know what? It's a good thing for us to have a laugh. So it's not a sin to laugh in church. Amen? Amen? Hey, we just have a little smile on our face and get this thing started right. And look, at the heart of what we're talking about today and where we've started this series called Gospel Glasses is to get us seeing our world and all of our relationships through the lens of the gospel. And we are going to focus on marriages today, but this is going to be applicable to really all of our relationships because we're going to see very similar principles applied across the relationships that we care most about in our lives. So whether you're married or single, you have close friends, whatever it is, there's going to be application there for you. And, and even if this is maybe not the most applicable for you, you'll have somebody in your life that you might be able to share some of the things that we learn today. Like I said, that, that was a, a silly little video, but I, I can't help but thinking about how sometimes we treat the person who we are supposed to be most close with, that we're supposed to love most deeply, kind of like those guys on the video. We, we do some pretty boneheaded things, and we're not very sensitive, we're not very loving. The truth of the matter is, if we treated some of our platonic friends in the way that we sometimes treat our spouse or those who are closest to us, let's be honest, on our worst days, if we treated them like that, we wouldn't have very many friends. So shouldn't it be all the more of a reminder for us that in these relationships that we're supposed to value most deeply that we do better? The truth of the matter is, though, we, most of us, won't do better in and of ourselves or on our own strength or power. We need some help. And so what we're talking about in this series is the help that comes from the gospel. When we put on a viewpoint of the gospel in our relationships, and particularly in our marriages, we will see God bless that. We will see good things happen. Whether, again, you are married or whether you're looking uh, for somebody or, or you're happy in your singleness, maybe you're widowed, I don't know your story, but I would just say that no matter where we are in whatever relationship, we've got to do a better job of putting a gospel perspective on things. We can't miss focusing on this. There is power in the gospel. There is power in Jesus to change our lives and change the way that we view one another in love. Gospel glasses allow us the power to do that. The truth of the matter is, gospel glasses allow us to see things self-sacrificially in the way that Jesus modeled for us. I mean, it was Jesus himself that modeled this idea of laying down his own life for us. He sacrificed, he loved deeply when we were unlovable. And the truth for us in our relationships, in our marriages maybe most critically, is we have to get to that place, like we talked a little bit about this last week, where we are loving one another not based upon our merit in that marriage, how well we're doing, but we are loving one another as unto the Lord. And when you, you and your spouse and you and the people that you care most about will approach your relationships in this way, then God can and will bless that because you are loving one another self-sacrificially and you're loving them again, not based on how well they're doing today, because let's just be honest, 
in Abby and I's marriage, and she's not in here, so I can say all kinds of things about her. She's serving in the nursery today. But the truth is, in Abby and I's marriage, like in your marriage and all of your relationships, man, we have our good days and we have our bad days. We have the times where I'm not being very loving and she's not being very respectful, or I'm not being very respectful and she's not being very loving. And let's just be honest, we all have those days. But what God has blessed us with over the last 20 years, Abby and I, what God has blessed us with is getting us to focus and we learned early on to love one another as unto the Lord. Not not based on, again, how well we were doing that day. Because the truth is, she has bad days and I have bad days. And if I base my love for her and if I base our marriage on that, that's going to be fleeting. That's going to be hard to find. But if I ground it in my love for Jesus, and if I ground it, maybe most critically, in the way that Jesus has loved me, then I'm going to see her differently. When she's not being very respectful to me or when she's not being very loving to me, I'm going to find a way to love her in spite of it and vice versa. This is the nature of or should be the nature of this relationship. Now, listen, this is not my idea. I didn't didn't come up with this. It's not original to me. It's what Paul teaches us in this letter to the Ephesians. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 5, 28 through 33. Ephesians 5, 28 through 33. It says, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He's just gotten done saying that wives ought to respect their husbands, that idea. And he says, he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body but they feed and care for their body. Paul uses this very concrete example to get us to think about our relationships in a particular way. The concrete example is this, friends. Listen, he's saying you would not just let your body waste away. You wouldn't, you wouldn't forget to give your body food and and, and water and, and warmth and all the things that it needs for sustenance, you, you wouldn't forget to do that because you know that it's critical for its survival. Well, in the same way, right, in the same way, we are to love one another. We are to take care of one another and give and feed, feed into our partner in, in, a, in a critical way like that, recognizing that it's, it's got to be like Breathing, it's got to be like feeding. It's got to be a basic thing that I do when I'm showing. This is how I show that I value the relationship. So feed and care for the body. And then he makes this connection. Just as Christ does the church. We know that Jesus loves his church. He says, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ in the church. So he's really kind of mixing his metaphors here, but he's saying that's okay because the symbolism here is so similar that it's all right. It's okay when we're thinking about the connectedness between the Lord and his church and how he values it and he wants to build it and he wants to see it thrive. It's cool for you to think about that and your marriage and how he wants to build it and grow it and and feed it and see it thrive. It's okay to see those things very similarly. He says, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. 
and the wife must respect her husband. So we love and respect one another, but particularly, and we talked about this, we did this conference some years ago here at Galilee, this idea of loving and respecting and how generally men tend to respond most to being respected and women tend to respond most to being loved. But the truth of the matter is we all need both love and respect. I mean, it's just the nature of really any good relationship. But we also each kind of have our own love languages, uh, as the old book talks about, that we have a particular way that when you love us in a particular way, we respond best to that and it produces the best in us. So really learning all of these practices are critical. And we do all of this, and you got to go back to verse 21 now, which we haven't read yet, actually. Uh, Ephesians 5, verse 21, listen to that. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Listen, that is the most concrete way I can explain the gospel glasses idea for your marriage. You submit to one another, not because your spouse is necessarily particularly lovable today, or that they are behaving particularly respectfully, or feel like you know you des- they deserve your respect at this particular moment. No, you submit to them and you love them as unto the Lord. That's your reverence for Christ. Hey, I revere what Jesus has done for me, so I'm going to love you according to that, not according to you, not according to what you've done, not according to how you're behaving. Because right now, I don't like you very much, but I know I got to love you, so I will, even though it's hard. And, And oh my goodness, where does the strength for that come from? putting on the glasses and seeing that person, revering them as unto the Lord, as Christ. Because that's how he has loved you. That's how he sacrificed for you. Look, for Abby and I, and I know for all of you that have been married any amount of time, or maybe you're new in marriage, or maybe you're engaged to be married, uh, maybe you're looking for that or not looking for that. Again, I don't know your story. But wherever you are in this spectrum, it's funny for all of us to think about the things, the ideas that we had coming into marriage, you know, what it would be like. And, and as I say, Abby and I's marriage, just like all of yours, have had lots of uh, wonderful ups and lots of downs. That's just the case, really, of any kind of relationship. And we bring all kinds of expectations into it, all kinds of family of origin stuff. I mean, we all deal with this. And so much of that's gotten turned on its ear through the years, but through it all, We've persevered, and I, again, I believe that it's because we've been able to see one another through those gospel glasses as unto the Lord, and we've committed to tuning up our marriage. Every marriage needs a tune-up. And look, I don't know where your relationships are this morning. You may have the best relationship in the world, and you're like, man, this message does not apply to me at all. I don't need any of this. Our marriage is great, and my relationships are great, and I, you know, I'm wasting my time this morning. Okay. I would just say you may not learn anything from me today, but you may learn something from the Holy Spirit. So listen, that's first of all. Second thing is this. You have somebody in your life that needs to hear this. You have somebody in your life that needs to 
get something from the word of God as it relates to their marriage rather than from what they're hearing in the world. Because I got to tell you, there's some really terrible advice happening out there in the world as it relates to people tuning up, fighting for, caring deeply about their marriages. They need to hear more of the church's perspective of marriage and less from the world. Even in today's Sunday paper, which I read every Sunday, I have gotten out of the habit of reading the Dear Abby column, even though that's a part of it, because the advice in there is so horrendously bad. But I read it today uh, just because, and I'm glad that I did, because there was a great example in there for today's message. There's an example. You can go and read it today in the paper. So in the Dear Abby column, a lady writes in and she says, my husband was protesting something about an election some years ago, and he was protesting this election by growing out his beard really long. This is a true story. And so she said, now he still won't shave it. It's been years since that election. He still won't shave it. She said, he looks terrible. I don't like it. I, and I, I have cajoled, I have threatened, I have done everything I can. I, I'm finally at the point of wanting to give him an ultimatum that he has to get rid of this. She said, he, he just won't. And so the advice, I kid you not, the advice is, well, hey, you know, if he's not going to listen to you, if you, you give him an ultimatum, but just be sure that when you give him an ultimatum that you mean it. So the advice from the world and the worldly perspective is your husband won't shave his beard. And if he doesn't do what you tell him to do about shaving his beard, well, you better be prepared to walk out the door. I mean, it'd be funny if it wasn't so sad, wouldn't it? This is, this is the level of commitment that the world, unfortunately, has put on marriage. And, it, and it's sad. And it's terrible advice. We need to put on our gospel glasses when our relationships are the darkest. When we are having our toughest times, our toughest moments. We need to put them on, not take them off. Friends, if you were in the ocean on a boat and the seas got rough, I'm talking rough, and you looked around and it's dark and it's raining, and then you also looked around the boat and you saw sharks everywhere, are you going to jump out of the boat? Of course not. That'd be crazy. Why would you jump out of the boat when you see all the threats all around you, man, it's, hey, it may not be peachy keen in the boat, but it's a whole lot better than outside of it. Hang on, fight, do what you can. And listen, I know everybody in here has a story. I know everybody in here has been through some stuff. And I can't speak to every single person's situation this morning. But I can just say that I deeply believe that we should do all we can within our power, more critically within the Lord's power, to put those gospel glasses on because it's going to save some marriages. So you may not need this message today, but you might share this video with somebody that does when it's over today. You might share some of the principles that we're going to talk about this morning with somebody that you know needs to hear them. Friends, I believe we're going to save some marriages. I'm not up here for nothing. I'm not up here just because I got to have something to say because it's Sunday at 11 o'clock. I'm not. 
I believe that people need to hear a godly perspective about their marriages. Because the foundation of a marriage, I I mean, it's not my idea. Paul talked about it. The foundation of a marriage is a covenant. It's a promise. It's a commitment. But you know as well as I do, just based on what we talked about with the Dear Abby column, the unfortunate truth is even people going into marriages today will jokingly talk about, well, if it doesn't work out, that's okay. This is just my starter marriage anyway. That ain't funny. It is not. But this is the mindset of the world. Husband won't shave his beard? Out the door. It doesn't make any sense. But it makes perfect sense to an unregenerate person who does not know Jesus and who says, what? It's all about me. It's all about what I want. And it's tough. My conditions. My husband will be clean shaven, right? My, my commitments, my fulfillment, my happiness, and whether or not you can do something for me. We live more and more in a society that thinks like this. So how can we expect that when tough times hit that, they'll, that that covenant will hold? Well, it won't unless it's grounded in the right thing. Look, all you got to do is ask one of the many couples here at Galilee that have been married 40, 50, 60 years. I know some even in this room have been married a long, long time. All you got to do is just ask them, hey, have you ever wanted to jump ship? They'll tell you, yeah. But what you have to do in every marriage, I believe, everything that you're worth, all that you can, is come into that and say, you know what? I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight for this. We're going to do everything we can. And for us, we're going to say divorce is not in our vocabulary. That's what, that's what Billy Graham's wife said. She used to tell me, she said, divorce is not in my vocabulary. Murder, yes. Divorce, no. And I mean, hey, I get it. I get it. Don't, don't ask Abby if she's ever felt the same way. I don't know. You need to fight for what it is you believe in when it comes to your marriage. But listen, maybe even more than that, you need to fight for what you believed in. Because nobody comes to the altar, well, let's say this, very few come to the altar thinking about how badly this is going to go. Very few come to the altar thinking, yep, no hopes and dreams for this thing. No, we're hopeful, we're excited, we're looking to the future, and we're believing the best, we're believing the best about that person, aren't we? But then what happens? Time, water under the bridge, pain, frustration, anger, disappointment. And over time, we have less and less days where we're willing to put those glasses on frequently because we're angry and frequently because we're disappointed. And we've stopped dreaming. We've stopped dreaming of what can be. But when we will put the glasses on of the gospel, 
that Christ empowers and gives us new vision, he'll help us dream again. I believe that. He'll help us dream again. He'll help us see our person in a different light. Not easy, but the Lord makes it easier. Gospel glasses have the power to do that. God is crazy about your marriage, just like he is crazy about the church. Paul talked about that. He loves the church. He fights for the church. He loves your marriage. He wants your marriage to succeed. But, and, I, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, it all comes down to how are we going to view this relationship? Are we going to approach our marriages as a consumer or remembering that it's a covenant? Consumer is the mentality of the world that says, again, it's all about me. What can you give me? How can you make me, uh, how can you give me more of what I want? Covenant says, we're in this together. So I'm going to look at this relationship through gospel glasses. And I'm going to commit myself to stay on board when things get tough. When the water gets rough, and I'm, I'm hanging on. And I'm going to remember that in love and marriage, it is partner, not project. Now, I talk to a lot of premarital couples about this and a lot of premarital counseling and things that I've done through the years. We have a lot more conversation about this on that end, but it applies to all of us. We need to be equally yoked when it comes to our relationship, which means we're, we're with somebody who loves the Lord. They may not be in your same place of maturity, but they love the Lord, and they're committed into a relationship that says, hey, we're going to do everything we can to center Christ. Now, I recognize some of you are not in that kind of a relationship. Some of you wish you were. You cannot control now if you're already in that relationship, if you're married. Now. I tell people before they're married, look, if you're not there, don't marry a project. It's partner, not project. You might think you're going to change that person. I would just say, good luck with that. That's not a plan. But if you're already in that relationship, of course, you're doing the hard work. And yeah, it's a covenant. So you're in it. So you're trying to do everything that you can, but you're remembering that the one that's going to do the work, the one that's going to change a heart, is most likely not you. It's the Lord. And so you need to pray, you need to talk to him, you need to bring it to him, and you need to remember and, and speak into that partnership as much as you can with that person and ask God to move their heart and, oh, by the way, move yours too, because that's a very, very critical part of this. And over time, I do believe that the Lord will bless that. I, I love Abby now more than I did 20 years ago by a whole lot watching her grow, watching us grow closer together, the way she loves our children, the way she loves me, even when I am unlovable. And I know you must be surprised that sometimes I'm unlovable. <laughs> but yeah, and she loves me anyway. And so when we will treat one another in that kind of way, when we love one another in spite of that, with the gospel glasses on, loving them unto the Lord, friends, <clears throat> Over time, it has the power to do something. It has the power to work on it. 
Let me give you something practical here as we kind of finish this out. I would encourage you every day, every day, renew your vows. You say, okay, what's that going to look like? Ceremony? No, no. But every day you get up, you choose to love one another all over again. And part of the way you do that is by putting on the gospel glasses. And like I say, you can apply this across the spectrum of your close relationships, but especially marriages. You put on the gospel glasses, you love people as unto the Lord, and in a way you begin to renew your vows. Every day fight not against your partner, but with your partner for the same end game in mind. So do some practical things to say, we're going to fight for our marriage. Again, I believe we're going to save some marriages. May not even be the marriages in this room. May not even be the marriages that are watching online right now. It may be the ones that hear these things later from your mouth or when you share this with somebody who you know may have a marriage on the rocks. They need to hear biblical teaching. Do some practical things. First thing is this, date your partner. A date's a good thing. I don't care how far down the road your marriage is. I don't care how strong you think it is. Scheduling a date with your partner is a good thing. Cut off the TV. Put down the phone. If Abby were in here, she'd be saying amen to that for me. All right, I'll just tell on myself, right? We all got issues. That's mine. I, got, I, I have to be intentional about putting my phone down or I'll have it in my hand. Like we all got our junk, just straight up with y'all, that's mine. But y'all, you need to find your own. What are the things that are keeping you from really connecting with that person that you're supposed to be loving deeply like that? Feeding into, remember what Paul said, right? Like you would take care of your own body. That's how you take care of it. Date your partner, cut off the TV, put down the phone, take the trip. All those things are critical. And then some of the things, again, that I've talked about through the years in marriage counseling and in premarital counseling that I think are so critical, no matter where you are and how long you've been married. I'm going to give you four things, and I want you to, to apply these to your marriage, but you may be sharing them with somebody else. First thing is this. If you want to put on the gospel glasses, you want to do a better job of loving your spouse as unto the Lord, learn to practice assertiveness. And you're like, wait a minute, assertiveness? What does that got to do with putting on gospel glasses? Well, listen, assertiveness simply means the ability to ask for that which it is you need. You are not a mind reader. Neither is your spouse. We all need to remember this. Husbands, wives, doesn't he just do that? Why doesn't he know how important that is? I can't believe he didn't do that. Well, did you tell them how important it was? Did you share with them how critical it was? Did you help them understand how it would make you feel if they would take care of that? And listen, if, if you're going to practice assertiveness, you also need to have active listening be a part of your life. Now, this one's on me. The phone thing and the active listening thing, that's me. Those are my problems, right? That the Lord is, if we drug Abby up here, she'd be like, yep, those are your two things. I mean, you got other stuff, but those two, right? So be, be intentional about when our spouse is talking to us, when that person we care most about is talking to us. Help them know that you hear them. So what I hear you saying is 
so on and so forth. What I hear you saying is it would make you really happy if we did X, Y, or Z. Or what I hear you saying is that this is really important to you, and so you want, me, you want it to be important to me. That's active listening. It shows the person that you actually care enough about what they're saying versus the terrible advice in that video we watched earlier, remember? Don't do that. Be an active listener, not an active responder. Like, I can't wait to now, I'm gonna tell you my side of the thing. No, 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 don't do that. Bad advice. Also, we need to learn, you need to learn to get better at I statements. You will get yourself into trouble with you statements. You will find yourself up a creek. Because what happens when we use you statements in a relationship is it tends to feel very much like this. You need to do this. You haven't done that. You never do so and so. And it doesn't even take the finger pointing for them to feel like the finger's pointing. Why? Because you use the you statement. But if you will be, if you will use I statements, I would really appreciate it. I believe that it would really bless our relationship if you would do X, Y, or Z. I would really appreciate this. You see, the tone of that is entirely different. And these are very practical things that you can do to put on your gospel glasses every day and love your person as unto the Lord, your spouse, a person that you may be engaged to, a good friend. These are very practical ways that you could do that. And then final thing is this, hey, practice daily compliments. And, and you know, it's very funny, and especially in a marriage relationship, over time you will find yourself talking about, you know, your kids or, or whatever your activities are that week or whatever's going on, and, and you will very rarely find yourself giving your spouse a compliment. What if you just commit, just try it even for the next week, hey, every day I'm going to give that person one compliment you will see that this builds a beautiful reciprocity of love and gospel glass wearing because you are pouring into that person's love bank and it's a part of speaking their love language. Look, we spend all kinds of times on all kinds of things. At ball fields, watching TV, playing games on our phones, we pursue all kinds of hobbies. We will do a million things to get ready for the Georgia game or whatever team you're into. We will go above and beyond to do all that stuff. And then the preacher gets up and talks for, gives you, what did I just talk for? Two minutes about four things. You're like, man, I don't know if I can do all four of those things. That's a lot. What? Of course you can, right? But think about how much intentionality you put into all this other junk in your life. And here's the deal. It is true what they say. A person who wants to do something will find a way. A person who doesn't want to do something will find an excuse. Let's be better than that in Christ. Again, not by our own strength. Yes, we can put some very practical things in our life that help us do better, and I've given you some of those, but I want to be sure you hear me saying this. The growth in these relationships that we've been talking about this morning will not come because you suddenly get amazing at it. You are still going to stink at it some days. You are, and so is your person, for sure. But you'll have better days. You'll have stronger relationships. 
because you will be putting gospel glasses on in the way you see them and loving them as unto the Lord. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Like I say, not my idea. comes from the Lord. I pray that we will apply that today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.